What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and I'm here with another exciting installment of Overthinking MTG. So we're on the Gatherer website. Let's go ahead and scroll on down to our everybody's favorite button, the random card button. Let's go ahead and hit it, and what are we talking about today? Today, we got an interesting card that, believe it or not, I have some thoughts about, and that is Reap and Sow. Um, this is a sorcery for three and a green. It is a common from Darksteel, which is the set that gave us such uh, beautiful gems as Skullclamp, which I was actually just looking at, one of the most, one of the fastest cards to ever get banned out of standard, because it's just incredibly broken. So that's the type of set that we're working with. Oh, and that is an uncommon, by the way. But this, we're looking at a common. So one of the mechanics that was in Darksteel, that I believe started in Darksteel, I don't... In, or no, I'm sorry, it started in Mirrodin. Darksteel was the second in the Mirrodin block, which came out in the early 2000s, and this was in the heyday when I was playing. So I jumped in in Scourge in like the first full set I was there for. Um, well, there was 8th edition, but then like the first like thema you know, th thematic like story set was Mirrodin, which uh, was busted. They were like, hey, let's make artifact land artifacts lands just cause and then just give insane payoffs for having a lot of artifacts in play. And then people were like, so I can just make my entire mana base artifacts? Cool. Anyway, it was busted. It was stupid. But Reap and Sow was in the mix, which it's kind of appropriate that I mentioned the lands because Reap and Sow is a sorcery for three and a green, so four total. And it says, choose one. So good old modal, modal sorceries. Destroy target land or search your library for a land card. Put that card into play, then shuffle your library. And then it has an ability called Entwine, which is something that uh, for some reason kind of fell out of favor, which I find kind of surprising given how many modal cards there are. So I'm surprised that we haven't really seen Entwine come back in any significant fashion because um, it's pretty cool. What that is is in this case, it's one and a green for the entwine cost. It's an activated ability on the spell. Or, no, I'm sorry, it's not an activated ability. Uh, I believe that in this case it's considered an alternate cost or an additional cost. You would add two to it, so I'll, the spell would cost six then. But you get to choose both, and so you can you do use both abilities. So for four mana, I can either blow up one of your lands, or I can go into my library and grab a land note a word i didn't say there i did not say basic land it's any land you want and then put it into play there's another word i didn't say there and uh, i did not say tapped so you can go into your library grab any freaking land you want and slap it right slap just smack dab in the middle of the battlefield just boom there you go well maybe not the middle because that'd be kind of awkward unless you really want to show off that you just went and grabbed you know the third tron land or whatever uh and then yeah it just comes into play just untapped just boom there it is so uh, that's pretty sweet and then you can entwine it for for two so for six i can blow up one of your lands and i can go grab one of my lands and slap it down now if you're fetching a basic land with this it's not a particularly good value it affects effectively costs three and it ramps you for one if you choose the second option of searching it up um, because the other land comes into play untapped that said you can combo this with some interesting things so i mentioned the tron lands which uh for those unfamiliar that is urza's tower urza's power plant and um 
Urza's Mine, that's the other one. And when it, there are three separate lands that all tap for colorless mana by themselves, but the moment you get them all together, they uh, they end up tapping for, I think, seven mana between the three of them, or no, 11. It's absurd. The amount of mana that you can produce with those things is just bonkers. Um, yeah, and, but you need all three of them in play in order for it to work. So a tutor like this that can go into your library, grab any land you want and put it into play is really valuable in that regard. So, okay, so there's a use for it. And again, it comes in untapped. So if it's the third Tron land that you just had to fetch up, then doing that, all of a sudden, you get access to a really crazy amount of mana and the spell basically becomes one green, you know, at that point. So that's pretty darn cool. Um, that's if you are building the Tron lands. And so or you're building a Tron mana base. That said, in cards where, or in, in formats like Modern or Legacy, where Tron is really a staple, you have ways of, like, there are cheaper ways to search for it, so it's not super great in that regard, but, I mean, it is a common, so kind of what do you expect? Um, so there's that. The, the flip side, though, if you're going up against Tron, you can blow up one of their lands, so that's kind of cool. But at this point, if, you, if you're playing in say modern or legacy and you're in a situation where the tron lands are a factor you're not reaching you know if you have four mana at your disposal in those formats you have something better you can do with it um so that's not a great example however if you wanted to do some crazy um crazy non-basic land shenanigans in something like commander well, this gives you an opportunity to do that you know get an opportunity to search up like your maze of ith you know so you can put that down and all of a sudden just negate one of your opponent's attackers all right that's pretty sweet the other thing you could do is you could tap four of your lands use this to fetch out like a lotus field which taps for three and it has hex proof but you have to sacrifice three lands when it comes into play well all of a sudden that doesn't seem so bad because you so you tap four you then pull out Lotus Field, slap it down, you then sacrifice three of your, no, is it three or two? I think you sacrifice two lands. Um, you know, and so all of a sudden you're still coming out ahead and it's ramping you. So, all right, you know, there's some, there's some ways around it. There's some, some uses for it. Uh, specifically non-basics. Just the fact that you can grab a non-basic land and put it into play untapped is just... It, that is very strong. Uh, there's an opportunity to abuse that. That said, there are cards like Sylvan Scrying that allow you to tutor for a land of any type that is significantly cheaper than this. And so as long as cards like that are available, this isn't going to be an amazing option if you're going for something where you just want to be crazy efficient. Now, if you're running a deck with a whole bunch of non-basic utility lands in Commander, you're going to want as many tutor effects you know, any opportunities you can go to dig into your library and grab those non-basic lands as you can. And this is a gr th this guy is a great inclusion in that kind of a setup where you just need that redundancy. Also, the ability to just blow up a land. It, that is an effect that a lot of people don't touch. Like, a lot of people don't do much with that because in... Um, in... I'm, the cheapest example of land destruction that I can think of is Stone Rain. I'm sure there are better examples. I mean, obviously there are lands that destroy lands, but you end up getting parity there. So, you know, things like Strip Mine, you know, like it's good, but at the end of the day, you have to sacrifice a land in order to blow up their land. So if they're running a bunch of basics, 
then you're not really going to get any value out of it. If they're running like unique, crazy non-basics, okay, yeah, absolutely remove one of those from the field. You're that's going to help you. Um, but in general, you know th- those. In friendly games, in casual games, that kind of a play is not a good idea. Just because there's this feel bad moment when you touch somebody's lands. You know, it's you just just don't touch my lands. It, there's kind of this unspoken rule where you just shouldn't mess with people's lands in casual formats like Commander or you know kitchen table stuff. So okay, I can appreciate that. But that's another thing that this card does in a pretty cool way. So paying four to spot removal a piece of land that is problematic and potentially a combo piece that your opponent has, that option is a good idea. Now, if you're in a pod of multiple people, that has a potential of setting a pretty nasty precedent as you because you're the guy messing with people's lands. However, if somebody has like some crazy lockdown something where they're using, you know, Urborg or some other very powerful or like a Arcane Lighthouse comes to mind, which is something that can uh, break hexproof on your, all your opponent's stuff and is just chilling on a land. Also, Maze of Ith is, an, you know, an example of something that people can use to pretty good effect. Not to mention things like, uh, what is it, Teleria West. You're like, there are a lot of great... Um, there are a lot of great lands out there. Not to mention, uh, there are also ones that are a little less, um, a little less nasty, a little more common. You know, there's a, I mean, Command Tower is obviously a great target for this if you can, if you can crack it, just because of the sheer utility that it gives somebody. Um, yeah, there, there are all kinds of things. There are all kinds of options. Um, all the castles from Eldraine, those are all worth blowing up. And, you know, if four is a little steep for it. However. What that four mana gives you is an option. You can either go aggressive and destroy a land, or you can search your library for whatever land you need in that moment, whether it's basic or not, and get it into play. That's pretty cool. And so if it's a really aggressive game where people are going kind of cutthroat or somebody at the table is just being a real arrogant you know, just just being a real crotch and you want nothing to do with them anymore, you can just blow up one of their lands just to, like, put the middle, you know, just to give them a middle finger. That's an option. Um, or you can go into your library, grab something, and just ramp yourself up one. There's nothing wrong with that. And the flip side of that is, if it's, if it's um, you know, or if it's late in the game, you can do both. And you can just get some decent value out of it. So whoever is, you know, king of the hill at the table, you can knock them down one land and possibly knock out their reliquary tower so they have to discard a bunch of stuff or you know it's a pretty flexible card and if you're looking for options and you have a deck that has a lot of non-basic lands in it this is actually a pretty decent include this is something that you can consider along with um, explosive vegetation for example or circuitous route which are sorceries that actually cost the same amount and they allow you to go into your library and grab uh, two basic lands, or in the case of Securitas Route, basic lands or guild gates, which is like the only reason you'd ever run guild gates in Commander, in my opinion. Um, you know, at the end of the day, well, that or if you're on a budget, of course. So here I am. I'm I am running guild gates in a couple of my Commander decks, just because they're decent tap lands, and if you have a Securitas Route, you can grab them. Anyway, that's. Uh, I'm off topic a little bit here, just because I'm thinking of ramp cards for four, and Reap and Sow is very similar to a card like explosive vegetation but it's there's some give and take 
you know, you only go you only go for one land, not two. All right. In that case, explosive vegetation is is better generally because ramping for two. Uh, Ramping two lands for is generally worth four mana. Ramping for one, maybe not, but this allows you to grab non-basics. So, you know, if you're if you're play Reap and Sow to go grab like a swamp or a plains, ooh, you're you know that's that's a pretty bad feeling. But if you use this to go grab one of your shock lands or um yeah one of the utility lands, then all of a sudden you're getting some value. That's not so bad, you know, and then. That could be even better, you know. There are also dual lands, like the the Karoo lands, come to mind. Uh, the you know the bounce lands. Who knows? That could be valuable. Um, Temple of the False God actually would be a way to ramp two mana with Reap and Sow. So, all right, cool. There's you got some options. There are some things you can do with this card that you can't do with others, you know. Because well, for example, actually, you could make an argument that Reap and Sow going for a Temple of the False God as your fifth land could actually be better than a um, better than explosive vegetation because you get access to those two that two colorless mana you get access to it right away so if there's something you can use two colorless mana for you have it whereas something like explosive vegetation while it will help provide some color fixing it will not give you access to that mana that turn because it comes into play tapped so you know this is one of those cards where it's a little expensive to be competitive, but there are some cool lines of play that this unlocks. You know, it, it is a common, it it looks like a common, reads like a common, plays like a common, but at the end of the day, it is spot removal or ramp, or if you have the mana, it's both. You know, there's a place for it. It's not too bad. All right. So yeah, Reap and Sow. I do have a couple of these. Um, I have put them in my commander decks in the past, and they've been okay. I didn't really have the mana base at the time to really take advantage of them. Um, and there are some times when it's just a dead draw, which does suck. So there's no question about that. So it's not amazing, but there's a time and a place. And every now and then when you just need to remove one pesky land, this this will this will get you there. All right, guys. This has been fun. As always, I have been Graham, also known as Hamhox42. And presumably, I will continue to be so moving forward. But I don't know. You know, the the, the night is young, as they say. <laughs> or the, the morning commute, as it were. Anyway, thanks for hanging out. You guys are the best. I will catch you again tomorrow or uh, live on Twitch over twitch.tv slash hamhox42. I stream every morning from 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern Time. Well, every weekday morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, I haven't bit the bullet on the weekends just yet, but I'm hoping to, hoping to get there at some point in the, in the not-too-distant future. Anyway, Monday through Friday, 5.30 to 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That's my morning workout. I also play arena. We have a lot of fun. And uh, I'll catch you there or here. Either way, I'll catch you next time. Have a good one.